And let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 27, Deuteronomy 27. And we're going to begin reading verse 1, and we'll read uh, responsively through verse 10 for our text reading, Deuteronomy 27 and verse 1. And shall we stand, please, for the reading of God's Word, Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse 1. And Moses with the elders of Israel commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you this day. And it shall be on the day when you shall pass over Jordan unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that thou shalt set thee up great stones and plaster them with plaster. And thou shalt write upon them all the words of this law, when thou art passed over, that thou mayest go in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, a land that floweth with milk and honey, as the Lord the God of thy fathers hath promised thee. Therefore it shall be, when ye be gone over Jordan, that ye shall set up these stones, which I have commanded you this day in Mount Ebal, and thou shalt plaster them with plaster. And thou sh shalt uh, build an altar unto the Lord thy God, an altar of stones. Thou shalt not lift up any iron tool upon them. Thou shalt build the altar of the Lord thy God of whole stones, and thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord thy God. And thou shalt offer peace offerings, and shalt eat there, and rejoice before the Lord thy God. And thou shalt write upon the stones all the words of this law very plainly. And Moses and the priests, the Levites, spake unto all Israel, saying, Take heed and hearken, O Israel. This day thou art become the people of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt therefore obey the voice of the Lord thy God and do his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. And if you look back at the end of verse 9, uh, Take heed and hearken, O Israel. This day thou art become the people of the Lord thy God. And so tonight we want to look at this uh, very important, very helpful to me. Uh, and I've entitled this, The True People of God. Many people claim to be the people of God, uh, but in this passage we find the true people of God. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the message. We yield your spirit. We pray that you would... Uh, work in our life. We pray for power to preach and to hear the word. Help us to understand what happened in our own life and our own testimony as we look back and reminisce and help us in the ministry as we observe uh, others in soul winning and discipleship what happened in their life in uh, so many empty professions. We pray that your spirit would reveal these things to us and give us power to preach and uh, hear the word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Uh, the true people of God. First of all, by way of introduction, this passage it dispensationally applies to Israel uh, in the Old Testament under the law in the Palestinian covenant. So dispensationally, Doctrinally, this does not apply to the New Testament church. We are saved by grace through faith. But there is always a spiritual principle that applies 
to every dispensation. And that's what we want to look at tonight, this covenant that God uh, proposes with His people. And then the people by free will choose to enter in to this um, covenant. And only then and until then are they the true people of God. Now, some people get saved and uh, their life changed immediately. And we've seen this. Uh, that's what happened in my life, uh, happened in a lot of people. Other people, it takes a while. They may make small steps growing in grace. They may, uh, you know, struggle for a while, so to speak. And then something will happen later on and their life will change. It's sad we have to say when we're talking about somebody, that guy really got it or that guy got saved because you either get it or you don't. You have it or you don't. And I think you know what I'm, I mean by that. But when you look at a, a testimony, you say they, they got saved. God changed their life. So when we think about hearing the Word of God, the gospel, the good news, uh, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sin of the world. He shed His blood. He was buried for three days. He rose from the dead bodily. And you can be saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. People hear this, and people make professions. They say, yes, I received that. And the Bible does say, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Uh, and, and they say they receive it and they believe it. And you have two people hear the same gospel, same word of God, make a profession verbally. One person, their life changes. They understand time is fleeting. They must serve God. God has a purpose and a will. They're going to face God someday uh, at the judgment, and eternity is coming. And then the other person says they believe the same thing. And we see this all the time. Very little changes, right? Very little happens in their life. They keep living the same way. Their priorities are the same. Their values, uh, their belief system what is the difference? And this is what we want to talk about tonight. What is the life-changing difference to where a person who professes Christ, their life changes? Uh, God gets a hold of them. Whatever terminology you want to use. The difference is this. They must choose to enter in to the covenant. It's more than something we say we believe. We must accept the offer. We must accept the responsibility, the accountability, and the consequences of this covenant of blessings or curses. And this is really life-changing. So you can see this in your life. Why was there not that big of a change for a while? You can observe this in the lives of others, the soul winning and discipleship and church ministry. This is the, the, the difference. Uh, because most people, they do not want obligations. They do not want to enter into 
a contract. They do not want to enter into a covenant with God to where they live under it, and they will be blessed by it, or they will suffer from entering into that covenant. They, they simply want to make a shallow profession, but not enter into the covenant. So what did Jesus say? If you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. That is so true. Uh, you live by the Word of God, you'll die by the Word of God. You live by violence, you'll die by violence. You live by health food, you will die by health food. You will. You live by uh, certain things you trust in, you better watch out because those things you trust in, the same things, you will die by them. It's a way of life, and we make the decision. If we accept this offer from God to enter into the covenant, the new and the living way, that means that we now are obligated under the consequences of this covenant. Most people, though, they make a profession. They never entered in. They're on the outside looking in. And sad to say, this is what breaks our heart. You know, it's what's so sad about the ministry, our family, um, our children, our grandchildren. We see them say things, but nothing changes. We see them make shallow promises, but nothing changes. We see them give an inkling of hope for the future, but sad to say, not much changes. So in your life, what was the difference? What was the big difference? In the life of someone else, they've said something for a long time, and then their life changes. The difference is the contract of faith accepting the consequences entering in, good or bad. Now, in the, in the legal world, you enter into a contract, you are obligated, they call it's contractual, you have to fulfill your obligations. The faith is more than just something you say. The Bible says you have to mix the word with faith. When you hear the word of God, you mix it with faith, and faith without works is dead. And so when you make this commitment to enter in, this will change your life. Whether the consequences are good or bad, I accept them. I have contractual obligations. Now, we know we live in a day of apostasy. Uh, the church is falling away. The world is churchy. The church is worldly. The church wants to bring the world into it, and they want to sell out the truth for numbers, popularity, prestige, and power. But we, we're seeing this turning from the truth, this falling away. It's, uh, the whole world is doing it. The spirit of the Antichrist is very, very powerful, and praise the Lord, the rapture could happen at any minute. So the rapture is uh, imminent. There are no prophecies yet to be fulfilled. Uh, maybe it'll be tonight. Amen. And uh, we'll, we'll get out of this thing. Um, so the progressives, you see this progressive politically. Now, progressives and modernists, they used to call it in the old days, neo-evangelicalism, modernism of the progressives, of uh, forsaking the foundation, forsaking the old paths, 
the history of the founding fathers, the uh, the Constitution of the United States. They think they're coming up with new ideas. I had I heard this uh, advertisement recently where there's a convention for new thoughts to inspire the future. Now, we don't need any new thoughts. We need the, the old Word of God. Uh, but this is what they're doing. They're forcing it politically, in the media, culturally, socially, and it's in many, many churches. So socialism, communism, hedonism, paganism, uh, apostasy are very, very prevalent right now. And we live in Laodicea, the last of the last days, just before the rapture. And we need to stay by the stuff, stay true by the truth and sell it not. So here's what happens. The devil is so cunning, so deceptive. If he cannot get someone to deny Christ, reject the Word of God, He'll try to get them to procrastinate and put it off for a while. If he can't get them to do that until they die and go to hell, the next thing he will do is to deceive them doctrinally with a shallow profession that if they just believe something mentally and say it, then it's true. And we've all met people like this recently, soul winning. I met someone, they said, I'm going to heaven because I want to. I said, so you're going to heaven just because you want to? He said, yeah, I want to, so I'm going to go to heaven. Uh, it doesn't work that way. And it doesn't work that way because you say you believe something. You can't just say you believe it unless you really believe it. Right. And you can't just say it with your head. You have to confess with thy mouth, believe with thine heart that God hath raised him from the Amen. dead, and thou shalt be saved. So the devil comes along and through easy believe it, salesmanship, soul winning of a shallow profession. And this goes into uh, all the other areas of uh, church and doctrine. No preaching, no correction, no rebuking, no yelling, no dress code, no hair standards, no dress standards for women, um, no separation from the world. Get rid of the psalm books, get rid of the pews, uh, have a screen in the background and a praise leader, and then have a band or rock band or some rap people and... Uh, trying to bring the, the world into the church, or all love, all acceptance, all forgiveness, uh, everybody's getting in these types of false doctrines. So the case in point, and this is just the question, what must I do to be saved? It's a great question. It's in the Bible. And what qualifies someone as a real Christian? What qualified? Because you, you can't have your own criteria just say, well, I said it or I believe it or this is something that I claim. What does the Bible teach the principle to become a true child of God, a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved by faith, justified, no matter what dispensation that uh, they are in? So what, what is the definition of a true Christian, and what is the criteria? So this is very important because one group says there is no God. 
Uh, the next group says, I haven't decided yet. Uh, I don't know anything yet. And then the next group says, we're all God's children, which is a lie. We are his creatures, but he's not all his children. And then the next group says, well, you're a child of God if you just say you are, if you just claim you are, but you don't have to live any way to exhibit your faith. And then you have the true people of God who know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And you understand the covenant of the contract of the obligations that by free will you choose to enter in. So this is very, very important. And once again, even though it's in the law under the Palestinian covenant and doctrinally applies to another dispensation, the principle applies to us today. So I want you to notice everything that has preceded this. Everything that happened, they were not the people of God yet. It, it, they were not. Before all this happened, until this point in history, and what happened. And they had to set up this pillar. It could not be chiseled in stone. It had to be whole stone. They had to plaster it. They had to make a memorial. They had to offer and sacrifices and eat there. And they had to write the law upon it very plainly. And then once they, by free will, entered in, not just to the promised land, they were entering in to a covenant by free will. Think about all that happened before this. God called Abraham out of the land of the Ur of the Chaldees. He was the friend of God, the father of the faithful. He had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. N not then were they the people of God. They went into Egypt um, by God's sovereignty. When Joseph was uh, sent there and God delivered them, they were slaves for 400 years. And God sent Moses, the Exodus, all the miracles of the plagues, the part in the Red Sea, all these great miracles. They were not the people of God yet. Over, uh, they cried out, miracle after miracle, their faith was tested, yet they were not the people of God. They doubted God when He sent in the 12 spies, only two brought back a good report, Joshua and Caleb. Ten brought back an evil report of unbelief. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years till the generation of unbelief died out, and still they were not the people of God. They got to the Jordan River. They're about to cross over. They are still yet not the people of God until they do what He told them to do, set up this altar, cross over, and enter the covenant. This is the thing that we are emphasizing tonight, the Passover, the death angel came. They were not the people of God. God parted the Red Sea. They were not the people of God. God led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Yet they were still not the people of God. He fed them with manna every morning except the Sabbath. Yet they were not the people of God. And so many people think, I am a child of the King. They sing the songs. They have the words. They know the terminology. They might assemble in a social setting. But the true people of God, 
are the ones who enter in to the covenant. Now, the time arrives they're going to enter Canaan. This is so important. This altar had to be God-made stones shaped His way. They were to set up this altar. They were to plaster it. And once they wrote the, this law very plainly, so anybody who came by in Israel, if somebody got into sin and rebellion, they'd say, you better go read what's on that pillar right there. You accepted what's written on that pillar right there. Go read what's on it. It was a reminder, and it brought accountability and responsibility. So once they set it up, they wrote the law very plainly. Everybody knew what it meant and what they were obligated to live under this law. It was a memorial and a covenant. And it was, then they went to two different places. So they went to a place called Gerizim, and God told them all the blessings. So they go to Gerizim, and he reads the law, and he says, if you do this, this blessing will come upon you. And if you do this, oh, this great blessing will come upon you. And if you live this way, this great blessing will come upon you. And if you apply this principle in the law, these great blessings will come upon you. And every time the people said, Amen. And it doesn't just mean, I agree. It means more than that. I agree that I've accepted this way of life. I've entered into the covenant by free will. And I am obligated to keep the contract that if I don't do these things, the opposite is going to happen to me. So they go to Gerizim. All the blessing. Then they go to this place called Ebal. And all the curses are given. And we'll read some of them. And God says, if you do this, a curse will come upon you. And you know what they said? Amen. I accept that law and principle that if I violate the law of God, I will receive a curse on me and my family. Then he said, if you do this, you're going to be cursed. And they said, amen. We accept this way of life. So basically, they were being asked the question, do you enter into the covenant by free will? This is a covenant. And he says, I set before you life and death. You choose. You can live and be blessed of the blessings of Gerizim, or you can die and be cursed under the curses of Ebal. And they had a realization to enter in, and they, it's so important to count the cost Count the cost. Am I willing to enter into this covenant because I am obligated under its legality? It's very plain. All you have to do is read it. If you do certain things, there's going to be a consequence. If you live a certain way, something either good or bad is going to happen to you. And so through the fear of the Lord and by free will, they said, Amen. I agree with that. Not just that it's true. I agree that I have entered in that I accept the repercussions of this. If something good happens, it's because I obeyed the Word of God. If something 
curse comes. I brought it on myself. So this is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I accept the, the covenant. So they were willing to partake, but most of them, isn't it sad? Even though they said it, they were not beneficiaries of the blessings. They didn't even utterly drive out the inhabitants of the land. They allowed uh, wickedness, idols, heathenism, um, all these things to continue. They did not apply the principles. And to this very day, Israel is suffering. To this very day, they have been scattered to the four winds of the earth, the four corners of the world. They have become a byword. Um, and one day, when true Israel goes back, they will become the head of all nations and not the tail. So they were to obey and teach their children. They were even to write this down and remind themselves when you go into your house, when you sit down in your house, when you lay down in your house, when you rise up in your house, when you eat at your table, when you go out the door, when you come and go, the sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. All these things, they were to be blessed. Why? Because of a covenant. So a lot of people look at life as Que Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. They're fatalists. Well, why did something happen to that person? Or why didn't that happen to that person? Or why did something good happen to them and not, the, or all these different things? And the reality is, for the true child of God, if you want to be blessed, find the principle in the law that is written very plainly, do what it says. Amen. Amen. And then if something bad happens to you, admit the truth. Say, I violated a principle. Amen. I deserve what happened to me. I am under a covenant with Almighty God. It has contractual obligations. So let's just look at a few of these examples. We're not going to read all of them. Actually, it's pretty fearful. If you look at uh, Deuteronomy 27:15. Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and put it in a secret place so they would hide it and worship it. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Now, I can't prove this speculation. Do you think there were some wicked Jews back there in the crowd going, They didn't say Amen. They didn't want to get into this one. They, uh, one of them brought out their idols from uh, Laban's. They, they were prone to this. They, they loved to worship their idols. Or how many people might have said amen but didn't mean amen? And how many people might have mouthed it? Or how, how about some of them didn't say anything? I'm not, I don't think I, I'm not living that one. I don't want to bring a curse on me. Uh, look at the next one. Verse 16, Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Now every kid ought to listen. Setting light means making fun of your parents. 
in any way belittling your mom or dad or your grandparents, in any way mocking them, disobeying them, using them as an object of, uh, of uh, entertainment. You know, people do it all the time. That's just old dad the way he does it. Ha <laughs> ha, mocking him. You better watch out. This is one of the, the curses of Gerizim. And the people said, amen. You know, if you honor thy father and mother, what does it say? Thy days shall be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. If you set light by your mother or father, you bring a curse. Doesn't matter if you agree with them or not. They're your mother and father. You ought to love them and respect them. This is the covenant. Most people don't enter into this. Yeah, I believe in Christ. Yeah, I don't want to go to hell. I sure want to go to heaven. But where's everybody at? Because the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Where is everybody if they've entered into the covenant? All right, read the next one. Verse 17, Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. See, when they surveyed the land, they'd sneak in there and move the landmarks because that's a way to get more property. Uh, happened all the time. Still does, by the way. And all the people shall say, Amen. Verse 18, Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that perverteth the judgment of a stranger, fatherless and widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife, because he uncovereth his father's skirt, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with any manner of beast, and all the people shall say, Amen. And so when the law was given, which was written plainly on this altar, they said, I agree to live by that. I agree, I enter in that if I commit any of these sins, I, a curse will come on me. So they confirmed and they entered in. So look what it said in verse 26. Cursed be he, now look at this, that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. And all the people shall say what? Amen. You know how many people want part of the law? Some of the law? The, the parts that, that are smooth sayings, the easy ones to live. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll confirm that. They don't confirm all the law. And the Bible's the Bible whether I live it or not. The Bible's the Bible whether you live it or not. And the truth is the truth. And if you're saved, you accept the truth. And just because you fall short doesn't mean you need to change the Bible or one of your little family members falls short. The truth is still true. And the true people of God, in their heart, they set up that altar. It's God-made stones. It's plastered. The law is inscribed very plainly. And they all said, I accept this as the law of God whether it feels good, sounds good, is hard to live, easy to live, whether it's offensive or not, this is the truth. Yeah. Now, look what it says in chapter 28. And they go to Elam. 
It says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all His commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the field, I'm sorry, in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. You know, that's amazing. You're in the big city, you go to the concrete jungle, you got to go shopping, God says you're blessed. You go back out to the ranch of the farm, you're blessed. Verse 4, blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and store. And when you study that, it basically means your pantry and your refrigerator. You're blessed. Uh, and I know this doctrinally applies to Israel, but all these blessings would come upon them. Just read, read a few more, verse 6. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. And the Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Do you believe it or not? I mean, if you're saved and you're being attacked, claim the promise. God says He's going to smite your enemies and they're going to flee. What are we doing? We're just sitting around in somebody's punching bag or doormat, letting the world run over us. And I'm not, you know, do it wisely, but pray those people out of there. Stand up, apply, apply biblical principles, watch God bring a blessing. Where? At Elam. Now, most people, we're talking about people who say they're saved tonight, profess. Yeah, I believe in Christ. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm going to heaven. How do you really know? What is the real criteria? Yes, it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ plus nothing, minus nothing. We trust only in Him. We claim to Him. But the reality is you really don't believe that unless you enter into the covenant, you're paying lip service, and it's all from the head, not from the heart, unless you believe the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, Jesus Christ, the Word of God. You cannot say you believe in Him and trust Him as your Savior if you don't believe this book's true. All of the book's true, and you enter in that I have to live by this book to be blessed, or the opposite will happen. Most people don't do that. But it's obvious, because they live pretty much however they want to, and let things, uh, I always, I've heard these new terms, I think it's a old gold mining term, it, it'll come out in the wash. I've been told that a lot lately. Uh, it'll pan out. And I know what panning out is, where you shake, look for some gold dust or nugget. But it'll come out in the wash. No, it won't. It comes out by the decisions we make. It comes out. If you obey the Bible, you're going to get a blessing. If you disobey the Bible, something bad is going to happen. And you, we know this. 
lot of people say, well, it's not my fault. Well, it might be because God gave us free will. We have the right to choose. So people will say, yeah, I'm a Christian, just not like those. I'm a, I believe just not like them. I've had actual people tell me I'm a Christian. I'm just not a born again Christian, which is impossible because in the New Testament, Jesus said, ye must be born again, and you're a new creature in Christ. So they have their own, and then it turns into brands. You have your brand, I have my brand, you have your affiliation, I have mine. Some people tell you all the time, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. I'm just not religious. Uh, well, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Jesus Christ, he said, you are bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are his. And the Bible plainly says that Jesus came to build his church. And every saved child of God is a member of the body of Christ. But they have their own ideas, their own ways. I'll tell you what changed my life. It's very simple. Very, you don't have to know all the law. It's just a decision. I accept this word is true, and I enter into the covenant that if I apply these principles, I'll receive a blessing, and if I don't, something bad's going to happen. It's that simple. But they don't want that. You know, They don't want to go to hell, and they do want to go to heaven, some of them. But they don't want to enter into that covenant. And it, it, so let's look um, in conclusion. So what in, uh, in chapter 30 of Deuteronomy? Chapter 30. And so Jesus, John 14, 6, is the way, the truth, and the life. And that way is a covenant to live by. So look at uh, chapter 30, verse 11. For this commandment which I command thee this day, now look at this, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us? People like that. Well, you just open the Bible and there it is. That we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. Now, where is that in the New Testament? Romans 10.8. Paul quoted this in Romans 10.8. The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth. Verse 15. See, I have set before thee this day life and good. Look at this. And death and evil. So we have life and good or death and evil, which one do you choose under the covenant? Verse 16, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God and to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that thou mayest live and multiply and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. Now look at verse 17, but if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I denounce. Now look at this, the opposite of announce. I denounce unto you this day 
that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. Now here's the two witnesses. At the mouth of two witnesses shall every word be established. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. That you said, amen, you built the altar, you plastered it, you wrote the word on it. It's not in heaven. It's not mysterious. It's not on the other side of a sea. There it is. Well, here it is right here. Read it. And look what it says. They witness and record this day against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. And that's why a lot of times the preacher will say, and all God's people said, amen. It's more than just the word. And it's more than it means I agree. It means I entered into that. I believe it. If I apply these principles, God's going to bless me. I enter into the covenant. But if I don't, something bad is going to happen. Now, in conclusion, we are saved by grace through faith. Once again, this does not apply to us doctrinally, but the principle does that because Paul quoted it in, in Romans 10, 8, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and it's in thine heart. If you'd only say it and believe it, enter in. The word is true. God blesses his people, but there are severe consequences of sin, and your sin will find you out. So here's the difference, and just to uh, summarize. Why do some people say they believe and nothing happens? Why do they claim the same thing that other people claim they believe, but they, they live the same way? It's very simple. They have not entered into the obligations of the covenant to say, amen. I, I accept that. I believe that. I've met a lot of people that believe the Bible until it gets personal. And then when it gets personal, oh, wait a minute, I don't know about that. The Bible's true whether anybody lives it or not. It has nothing to do with us. True faith believes the Word of God, and it enters into the covenant, and this is the true people of God. And I hope you have said, and if you haven't, you could say it tonight, amen, amen. This book is true. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross for the sin of the world, shed His blood, buried three days, rose again. I trust in Him. I have been saved and I'm waiting on him to take me out of this place. And until he does, we'll work. For the night is coming when no man can work. And I say, amen. And if something good happens, God bless me. Something bad happens. I trust in him. But I have entered in to the covenant. And sad to say, 
How many people, percentage-wise, say they believe, but they don't want this covenant? They won't say, yeah, I'll live by that. I'll live by that. Because if they did, we'd see a lot of changed lives, wouldn't we? A lot more. So in discipleship and counseling, we're saved by grace through faith. After that, if you really believe it, show up. Show that you believe it. Enter into the covenant. Apply these principles. Amen. All right, let's pray. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.